Okay, so anyone who knows me, and honestly, at this point, anyone who listens to the podcast, because I guess we've just (laughs) gotten real close around here, knows that I do not wear bras. And like, that's not some sort of an over-exaggeration. You can ask any of my friends. I truly do not ever wear bras. However, there have recently been some circumstances where like, I just have to. I've been saying yes to more things. I feel like we've been going to more events and there are just some outfits. I got to do it. And when I tell you I have finally found a bra that makes wearing one bearable. Like I'm never going to be an everyday bra wearer. It's not in the cars for me. But when I have to, the only bras I can wear are skims, which I'll get into the specific ones in a second, but we all know this comes as no surprise. Like I have been an OG diehard skims fan since day one. I am a fan of every single product they make. You know the way I feel about the underwear, the clothes, all of it. But now adding bras to the mix, specifically the Fits Everybody t-shirt bra, because You guys know the way I feel about the Fits Everybody collection. I could talk about that for forever, but specifically the t-shirt bra, it's just so comfortable. I don't know, the straps don't dig into you. It's probably the only bra I've ever worn where when I get home, I'm not like dying to take it off, which I cannot express how massive of a feat that is for someone like me. It's just comfortable and it just does what it needs to do. And I am such a fan, which like no surprise, I love everything Skims makes, but here to confirm the bras are as good as you would think that they are. Shop Skims Bras at skims.com, now available in 62 sizes, 30A through 46H. If you haven't yet, be sure to let them know we sent you. After you place your order, select podcast in the survey and select our show in the drop-down menu that follows. Hi guys, I'm Emma. And I'm Isabel. And welcome back to another episode of Commas by Bravo. Hey, is. Hi, Em. I am so relieved that Beverly Hills is over. Yeah, I'm done. Like this cycle that we always talk about when you're so burned out by the end of the season is really hitting hard right now because this was a absolutely exhausting season, but also reunion. When Kyle was like, please, I can't stay for the toast. That's how I felt. I was like, like, me either. I was like, get me home. I got to take my dress off, my heels off. I don't want to do a carcass out toast. I got to go to sleep. Right. I was like taking off my imaginary fake eyelashes. Yeah. Yeah, no. I don't even know where the fuck to start. And I also know not everyone's on the same page about this. Like I, I have been consuming social media all morning, just trying to get different gauges and different opinions. And I would say the general consensus is like Rin is in the wrong. But other than that, people have different opinions on the dynamic between Kathy and Kyle. The best way I could describe the whole situation is that it has completely unraveled. Like there's no just story and fight anymore. It is so complex and complicated and has so many layers to it, including the Hilton Richards family shit, which like God knows we could go on that for 10 hours. And then just like from Rinna's side and also what went down in the details and like things that they don't bring up on the reunion and the press and the aspect that the show plays and this reunion, as happy as I am for it to be done, it could have been eight parts. It could have been 10 parts and we would not have even scratched the surface. No, I know. I mean, listen, the bottom line as far as I'm concerned, is that something absolutely went down in Aspen. I think Rinna has deeply exaggerated it because she, in her mind, has the benefit of actually not having cameras. I do think it was bad. No part of me thinks that Kathy didn't have a meltdown. I don't think it was as bad as Rinna was describing. And I also think that even if it was, to say that none of them has freaked out in that way is just untrue. But the real issue is the aftermath and the way that it was dealt with. And clearly, I mean, as long as Rinna is going to maintain involvement in any of this, and this is of course just like the tip of the iceberg because there's so much deeply rooted between Kathy and Kyle. But as long as Rinna will somehow remain involved, there will never be peace. Because what Kathy was pretty much looking for Kyle to do this reunion was 100% take her side, shut it down, not even really acknowledge it. Kyle was unwilling to do that. And to me, it's like, there's a, it's a no-win situation. I think Kathy wanted Kyle there in front of everybody to say, Rena, we're done. I'm washing my hands of you. We cannot be friends anymore. Like, she wanted her to go to fucking bat for her, which, by the way, I don't, like, necessarily blame her for that. I think that that's what she was looking for and the only way she would forgive her. She's a little bit harsh, for sure. I just think that the whole situation and people's views on it range from Kathy literally did nothing. They got in the van nicely went home and went to sleep and that Rinna and maybe Erica like made this whole thing up 
And then the other end of the spectrum is that like Rinna is completely telling the truth and Kathy is just trying to cover it up. It falls somewhere in the middle, I think. I think Kathy was subtly very much owning that she did have some sort of like freak out meltdown. She was very upset, but it was a huge exaggeration for Rinna to say she was abused. She had to lock her door and that it was so out of control and like nothing she's ever seen before and so bad that she had to make this insane deal out of it and therefore Kyle get caught in the crossfire. Like Rinna knows how bad things are with the sisters and how they are always walking on very thin ice and anything that rocks the boat ends up being Kyle's fault. Now, do I think that's right? No, I think that's just the dynamic of the relationship. And like I said before, anything that makes Kathy look bad in terms of the show, especially when it's one of Kyle's quote close friends, Kathy's going to blame on her because like when Kyle kept saying, why are you blaming me? Why are you blaming me? Kathy looks at Kyle as one with this show. Like it is Kyle's show. So when this shit goes down, she looks at Kyle and is like, hello, you run the show here. This is your thing. Like, why are you letting this happen to me? I think that that's true in terms of Kathy's viewpoint. I am struggling a little bit because I've I'm unwilling myself to say that all of the blame is on Kyle because I don't feel that way. And No, me either. I want to go to what I thought was one of the most telling moments of the reunion. When Andy asked Kyle, were you upset with Lisa for bringing it on the show? And she's in hysterics. She takes a moment to catch her breath and she says, and we wrote this quote down verbatim, I feel very put in the middle of this whole situation. Obviously, my sister's my sister. My feelings were very hurt. I feel like I always get the blame for things in my family, like at Kimosabi, this and that. I didn't fucking do anything. And then when this whole thing came out, it just made it worse and set us back. And the only one who had hurts is me. I'm the one that gets fucked. Fucked from you. Fucked from her. Her side of the family. It's everyone. And Andy then asks, but aren't you upset with Lisa for bringing it on the show? Garcelle reiterates that. And Kyle says, I'm upset I'm in this position because it came out, but I'm also upset with my sister because look where we are right now. And Kathy says, not good. In that moment, when Andy says, why aren't you upset with Lisa for bringing it on the show? I think that if Kyle would have taken that moment to say, I am, I am very upset with Lisa. And even if she then said the exact same thing she said of, I'm additionally upset because it hurts me, I think Kathy would have had a lot easier time forgiving her. I agree. What I felt I was struggling with watching this was like, I am not in the camp of believing that Kyle's pain is false. I know a lot of people think she's full of shit and that's 100% fine if you do. I don't. I think her pain is real and I can understand how upsetting it is. I think though, if you are going to go this deep in the upset with Kathy, you have to, for the sake of your relationship with your sister, publicly say, I'm really fucking pissed at Rinna. I think that was the only saving grace. No, I 100% agree. I don't want to be a Kyle apologist. I don't think she handled everything perfectly, but I think she was so fucking overwhelmed and caught in the middle of all this. And I just can't understand why she was having such a hard time. Like, just get rid of Rinna. I'm sorry. I know they probably have a really nice friendship, but in that moment when I'm balancing my priorities and I understand Kathy does not treat her right and does not treat her as a sister should, you got to like say, Rinna was objectively wrong for this. Why can't, why couldn't she come down on her? Why couldn't she just say point blank back to Andy's very clear cut question that they reiterated a couple of times? Yeah. I'm so upset that she brought this because she knows that I have a tumultuous relationship and she knows that this would somehow be linked to me and like I just – it was unnecessary. She should have dealt with this in private or not exaggerated it and not gone to the press. Like that's it. And I think you're right. Kathy I'm sure would have wanted more and more and more. Like it was never going to be enough. But that would have at least been like a direct line in the sand of like where I stand in defending your sister. So the flip side of that, which is I want to try to communicate a lot of what I've seen, which is a lot of people genuinely believe, and also because Kathy, from the comments that she's liked, believes this narrative, that basically Kyle is in celebration of Rena doing this because she on some level wants to take Kathy down and she likes being the reigning Richard sister. Now, if you believe that, whom the fuck am I to tell you that you're wrong because none of us know, I just don't because I think that Kathy being in deep shit is not good for Kyle either. I don't believe she feels that way. I do believe, I'll tell you, I'll put it like this. 
I do believe that when Rinna was going so hard on Kathy on social media, Kyle was more upset for herself than she was for Kathy. Absolutely. But I don't think that she gets pleasure out of it in the way that I think a lot of people or I shouldn't say a lot of people, in the way that I think some people do, which again, if that's your belief, I can't tell you that you're wrong because none of us know. That's just not the way that I view it. I also think Kyle really wants to avoid the conversation at all cost of of why do you let your sister treat you like that? Why do you let her walk all over you? Why do you let her do this and that? Because she doesn't want to address it. Like Sometimes it just is the way it is. And no one can understand family dynamics. No one can understand Kathy's personality or her relationship with Kyle the way that Kyle can. And I think shining this spotlight on it of the years and years of, you know, their ups and downs and how the dynamics of all the sisters work, like she doesn't want that. So at any point that she can pivot the conversation away from that, of being like, why do you stay in this relationship? You know, it's almost like a, a toxic relationship. It's like, because we're sisters, like stop putting the spotlight. I take the brunt of it and I'm okay with that, like just to keep the peace. And I don't think she wants to say that because that it opens a whole new can of worms, but it's just the truth. But again, like if that's the case, right? Like let's just say for a second for argument's sake that that is really where she stands in terms of how she wants this to be handled, then that would even give more fire to why she would be so pissed at Rinna. Because, okay, let me put it like this. This whole situation would be entirely different if Rinna said, I am so deeply personally hurt by what happened with Kathy. It was only her coming at me and I can't get past this. That's a different situation. Then that is solely Kathy and Rinna's argument. Rinna wasn't even conveying that she was upset on behalf of herself. She was upset on behalf of Kyle and their relationship, which if Kyle is so at all costs wanting to avoid their sister relationship being highlighted, then why wouldn't you be the most pissed, the most like overwhelmingly angry at the person that continues to put that in focus? Like that is why I was so confused because it wasn't like if if Kyle answered Andy and said, yes, I am pissed at Rinna, that it would have invalidated Rinna because Rinna was never coming at it from the perspective of like, I am so deeply hurt. I can't move on with my life. She was repeatedly coming at it from the perspective of like, I am so appalled at the things she was saying about her sister. It's like, this actually has nothing to do with you. And you probably would have had a stronger argument if you led with it being at you. You know what I mean? Yeah. No, but it, but also Kathy's meltdown wasn't like directed at Rinna. She was unloading on Rinna, but she wasn't calling Rinna names. She wasn't saying Rinna. That's what is- I'm saying. That's exactly what I'm saying. It's like, so, okay, so you saw Kathy have a terrible meltdown and you are now saying you felt like you were fearing for yourself on top of feeling bad for your, quote, friend Kyle, which now you are going around and making her life a whole hell of a lot harder. It's like, okay, the best comparison I can give is it's like you go to your friend and say your boyfriend or your girlfriend is cheating on you. Like they're a terrible person. And they say to you, look, I know I'm okay with it. I've moved on. Like I accept it or I know we have some really, like we have some sort of understanding and it's fine. Like, thank you for telling me, but we'll move on with our life. And they keep harping on it. And it's like, look, I told you like me and my significant other are okay. So why do you keep bringing it up? Like it's, it has nothing to do with you. If I'm happy, they're happy. Like we just, this is the way our relationship works. Stop meddling. That's like what exactly what it was. It's like Kyle and Kathy have a, a relationship. Maybe it's not what you would want with your sister or you wouldn't stand up for it, but that's just how things are. And that's how I keep the peace. Like leave it alone. Right. And that's why I'm saying like, even as us, from the perspective of the commentator, I always get so deeply uncomfortable when having to kind of analyze sibling dynamics because I know how complex it is and how much has gone into it in childhood and shit that we know nothing about. It's like, yeah, we've seen a couple seasons of a show, someone Kathy were mentioned, someone we've actually seen her in the flesh, but still like we do not have the authority or like the true knowledge to say anything. So even from that perspective, right? Like I get so uncomfortable when we have to do that. Meanwhile, here's Rinna, who is more than happy to fully insert herself to, when you really break it down, to kind of be the cause of all of this. And it it doesn't even seem to impact her in the slightest. And that's why I'm having such a hard time wrapping my head around this, because to me, it's like, how can you not witness what's going on and just fucking put your pride aside for one second? If we had the video footage or even the audio footage, this would be a different story, not even to verify the truth of it, but just to give us something. 
Look, I think Kathy showing up to the reunion said a lot because I think if it really was as bad as she remembered or thought it was, she would not have showed up. Like she would have said, fuck the show. I don't care. Like what? She doesn't, she doesn't need like the bonus money that comes in the contract. If you show up to the reunion, like she really felt like she had points to prove. And also that Rinna and Erica did things that were really wrong and she wanted to come and speak her mind. So like that to me made good TV because I think Kathy Hilton showing up to like shut it down is entertaining but it was way more just uncomfortable and sad than it was entertaining when you like slice the pie so I think on paper it sounds like oh my god drama crazy like obviously gave us so much it gave us biggest bully in Hollywood and everybody knows it but it like I literally finished it feeling like Kyle did like I can't even explain how much I felt exactly like Kyle and it's just it's so hard I mean Going on the the he said, she said, do we want to talk about like how it went to HR and the whole Kathy saying a slur? Yeah. Yes. I, one second. I just want to backtrack on what you said. I'm not even talking about the reunion. I actually would argue that this scene between Kathy and Rena was the best TV that we've gotten out of post hearing about it. But I'm saying like, remember a few episodes ago when Rena was finally telling us all the, everything that went down in her confessional. And I remember you saying on the episode, like, you know, I know I was supposed to feel it and I just didn't. It's like all this shebang for a whole lot of nothing. And then this like kind of good showdown at the reunion, but we still don't really know what we're talking about. That's what I'm referring to. Totally. Yeah. With this, with this, the slur situation, again, it really is a, she said, she said, and it's like, comes down to who you believe. Well, what I think is interesting, whether she said it or not, that is what came out in real time right after they left Aspen. Like within the week that they were on the trip and they got home, it was everywhere in the blogs. It was on comments. It was on Twitter. It was everywhere. Like people kind of saying witnesses or this is what we heard or a source says. And I remember like that was the big takeaway was like Kathy Hilton was running around saying these things and people knew it. So then to get to the reunion and Erica drop this bombshell. To me, it didn't feel like a bombshell because I was almost waiting for somebody to bring that up because that was like the headline of the story and Kathy leaving all those comments to Rick, like, come pick me up. Plus that was what I was waiting. I thought that was going to be in Rinna's recounting. So then Erica says it and says, no one else heard it. You said it just to me. All the other women say, I never heard that. I never heard that. Erica says, I heard it. How was it then all over the press months ago. How, who who said it? Rena saying that TMZ called her and knows that something went down, but that seems like a pretty specific detail that if only Erica heard it, how was it everywhere within 24 hours after going down? That, exactly. And I don't know if when Erica said that, if she put two and two together, that that was a direct then, in my opinion, a direct then line to her because she literally said, no one else heard it. You said it just to me. Okay. Well, if she hypothetically said it just to you, then is it also fair that two days after Aspen or within the week of Aspen, when it got out, it was also directly from you? I mean, listen, going back to the earlier, like what really went down, I think it was a mix. I think Kathy was definitely not her best that night. I don't know the extent to which she said, but I would be willing to bet a, a large amount of money, in my opinion, that all of the leaks came directly from Rin and Erica or their people. Like, I feel that's 100%. one thing I, I feel so confident in that. No, a, a thousand million percent. Like, I would bet my life on that. And I think that wasn't addressed enough. Like they brought up the whole theory of Erica's publicist and Erica's, you know, Nikki has been represented by him for years. And Kathy's like, yeah, I don't think he did it. Like there's a million other people. There's the glam squads. There's people that will do the dirty work. There's people who don't care. Or by the way, I wouldn't put it past Erica and Rinna directly to just like spill. I think that's sort of like the name of the game. And Rinna Think about how worked up she is now, months and months after this went down. Imagine how she felt the week of and not letting the whole world see it. She probably was like bursting at the seams to let everybody know and want the whole world to know what the fuck she just experienced and what went down because it was so unbelievable. So I know we're all kind of operating at a different skill level when it comes to makeup. Like, 
I have some friends who they do their makeup and it looks like they got it professionally done. I have others who know nothing about any products. And then I would say I'm somewhere in the middle, like by no means am I very skilled, but I think I can hold my own. And in terms of my everyday, I'm just doing mascara, lip gloss, and maybe a little bit of highlighter on my inner corner. So if I'm only using a few products, I need them to be excellent. And I've recently been very into the Thrive Cosmetics mascara, which I'll tell you about in a second, but just in general, a note on the company. For every product purchase, Thrive Cosmetics donates products and funds to help communities thrive, which I just love knowing that I'm buying from a company that does that. And in terms of their mascara, so it's the Liquid Lash Extensions Mascara. You guys have seen that. It's the viral turquoise tube. I've saw it all over social media before I ever started using it. And it's a unique formula that creates tubes around each eyelash to lengthen them. It's also super easy to remove. So it slides right off with warm water. It doesn't leave smudges. And the ingredients are really nourishing. So they support longer, stronger, and healthier looking lashes over time. It really just gets the job done. Like you will see what I mean when you try it. Refresh your everyday look with Thrive Cosmetics, luxury beauty that gives back. Right now, you can get an exclusive 10% off your first order at thrivecosmetics.com slash CBC. That's Thrive Cosmetics, C-A-U-S-E-M-E-T-I-C-S dot com slash CBC for 10% off your first order. Welcome to Nada Yada Island. This season on Nada Yada Island. When we were new, they spoiled me. They even gave me a phone. But then... It's like I didn't exist. Don't take yada yada from your wireless carrier. Now with Metro, get that new customer feeling again and again. Introducing Metro Flex. Free 5G phones when you join. Same deals as new customers when you stay. Only at Metro by T-Mobile. Just bring your number and ID and sign up for an eligible plan. After 12 months, trade in and get our best deals on select devices. When Andy said to Kathy, you know, Farrah's wedding is in the spring, like... And Kathy's like, good for her. I literally thought I was going to throw up. That is when it gets too real. And I hate it. And you know I have a thing about the sisters. And I I just, like, I felt Kyle adjust her stomach drop in that moment. Because Farah and Paris are best friends, cousins. And for this to then, like, leak into real life shit, like, those are the moments where you're like, okay, this isn't just two housewives fighting. This is now a whole trickle effect. And Paris is on Twitter and Instagram liking all these terrible comments about Kyle and it being a setup and how she's a terrible sister. Like, it really does trickle down throughout the whole family and it stays with them long after this reunion is over. Like, we can wash our hands of it tonight and be done, but it's not done. No, but that brings me back to the million-dollar question of why are they doing this? I understand why everyone else on that stage, for the most part, is doing it. I don't understand, one, why Kathy Hilton would ever want to have any involvement. And I don't understand, at this point, this many seasons later, why Kyle still is. Like, I get when she signed up, but I think maybe a season ago, she could so easily have just washed her hands clean of this. Like, she doesn't need it anymore, you know? And I, I... I yeah. just don't – I don't get it. To me, there's nothing that is worth it because you're right. When Kathy responded in that way and it wasn't like an overwhelming, yes, of course we will be there. We wouldn't miss it for the world. It was like, yeah, and, and I'm very happy for her. It sent chills. That was like a, a chill-inducing moment for sure. I personally, if I'm Kyle or if I'm Kyle's – like if I'm Faye Resnick right now sitting with Kyle, I say leave the show. Like, I love Kyle, and I think she has brought so much to the show and has been such a like, amazing core of the groups and understanding the show and whatever. But I think not necessarily her time is done, but like, she's proven that she's the OG. She stayed it out. She stayed the course. She brought her both of her sisters in and out. She made a huge impact. And at this point, she and Mauricio are so set financially, fame-wise, they have fans, they people who love them. You're good. You're done. You don't need to show up to these theme parties and fight and let it jeopardize your family and your sisters. And honestly, look, say what you want, whatever, with the Kyle and Kathy relationship, but I think that there is no stronger statement that Kyle could make to get her sister or both sisters back into her life than saying, this show has really ruined my family and I'm now choosing being a housewife over having my sisters at my daughter's wedding, I'm done. Like to me, that is what Kathy is looking for. Some sort of bold statement like that. And I don't think it would be the worst thing. I mean, Kyle posted this whole Instagram. I thought when I started reading it, that it was her saying I'm done with the show. It just had the vibe of like, this was a terrible season. Like, I'm so glad for it to be over. We'll see what the future holds. 
And if I'm her, I'm just saying, let the mouse go. I, yes, me too. And I'm going to be very, very curious what's going to happen with that. I mean, you know, then it asks the question, okay, well, what happens hypothetically if Rinna were to leave the show, if Rinna and Erica were to leave the show, then does Kyle staying carry any more weight with Kathy in terms of it being more kosher. I don't know. To me, I'm like, for, even forget about Kathy for a second, just generally speaking, you don't need this. Like, I think she has an opportunity to kind of gracefully bow out. And you know, the other thing that I kind of want to say, I know this wasn't the like main point of it, but to me, I'm looking at Kyle and I'm saying, Garcelle and Sutton, I believe are better friends to you than Rinna and Erica ever were and ever will be. And I think that if, hypothetically, if they could have the group of like, Kyle, Garcelle, Sutton, and Dorit, to me, I, I think that's would be a really, really strong crew. See, I think the crew you just said plus Crystal, because Crystal kind of rocks Kyle's boat a little bit, would be so interesting, plus like two or three new women to sort of like shake it up. Like that to me is a more interesting cast if we want to keep this core cast or – Maybe they keep Garcelle, Sutton, and Crystal and base the cast around them and do a little bit of a whole shakeup revamp. I've also seen a lot of theories that I kind of believe that Denise Richards is going to come back. So I think if Kyle and Kathy get to a good place, we have them, we have Dorit as a friend of, we have Garcelle, Sutton, and Crystal, and then we have Denise Richards, like maybe one or two other new women. That's that's a show. You know, I think Rin and Erica's time is certainly up, and I would not be surprised in the slightest if we hear soon or in a couple of months that they're out of there. I don't know about Erica. I almost I, – mm. I honestly have no idea. Like I'm entirely spitballing here, but I just want us to consider this for a second. Let's say, hypothetically, Rinna is out next season. Do you think there is a world in which Erica stays that she could have – not a redemption story. I think that that would, is a dramatic term. But do you think there could be a plot line almost about like Erica without Rinna and what that could possibly look like? Do, okay. But that question and also another question for you and for everyone listening, obviously, is like, do you think the audience would be okay with having Erica without Rinna? Meaning like, do you think they're only committed to them both not being on? Or do you think they could say, you know what, fine, we wanted them both off, but if I have to choose one, I'd rather have Erica stay on? Or you think it's the reverse? No, I think if you're taking a poll, everyone's voting Rinna off the island first. I just don't think it would work unless Erica brings on a friend. Because she doesn't have a great dynamic with the other women. I mean, you know, we've seen them trying to work it out with her and Sutton. I think now what she's done to Kyle, that's if they were on good terms, it could work. Like if Kyle's staying around, but she needs like an ally. She needs a friend. She needs someone who like actually is there and likes her. I think she's just an interesting character. And like people are so fascinated by her demeanor and her entire story because it's just so unbelievable at times, like all the time actually. So keeping up with her would be like intriguing to me, you know, I'm, I'm curious to see what the next year looks like with her, but I also think we've gotten like the meat of the situation. Like we sort of know how it's going to go. The future of the show is, is really interesting right now. Like they have some serious decisions yeah. to make and the decisions that they make this next season are going to greatly impact the way that it's, it's going to play out. I mean, I think we're looking in a, in a few years as like, this is Garcelle's show. And as it, in my opinion, as it should be. I cannot wait for that actually. I love her. I just like – I can't stop thinking about Kyle and now the decision she's faced with and what I would say to her if I was a friend. Like something I always think about and I say to everybody who's making big decisions, even though it's kind of morbid, is like a deathbed decision. Like what will you look back in like 50 years, whatever, and be like, I can't believe I did that. Like if in her life she looks back and is like, wow, I haven't had a relationship with my sister. She wasn't at any of my kids' weddings because I decided to stay on that show. It's like, just don't. I just really, I just like, I'm so upset with how this ended because I wasn't sure. I thought maybe there could be resolve because I think Kathy was reasonable at moments. And I think she has the feeling in the back of her mind that like, yeah, it's my sister, but she also is really, really stubborn and really pissed. And I just... 
I don't know what that looks like from here. And I think she's going to be faced with a lot of heavy conversations. I mean, it showed them at BravoCon like hugging and being happy, but I think that they sometimes are able to like hug and kiss, but also be so mad at each other. So I don't know what's really going on behind the scenes. I mean, Paris has been liking tweets and Kathy's been liking comments up until literally this morning that are not good and don't paint Kyle in a good light and kind of lump her together with Rinna. So I don't know how that looks. Yeah, I I, I don't know either. It's I agree with you about the deathbed thing. Though. It's like you look back and the, there's just no way that all these years are, of fighting are worth it for what? I know. Dorit was just trying so hard the whole reunion to like defend the situation. Like she would just be like, yeah, me too, me too. I didn't hear that. I didn't hear that. And I was like, Dorit, I love you so much, but it's just like not your time. Yeah. And remember Kyle flipped out at her, which I saw like everyone online is like, how is Kyle going to flip out at Dorit like that? But, you know, never go Wait, out I don't think she flipped out. I didn't, I didn't view it as a flip out. I viewed it as like they are literally sisters. And in that moment she was like, shut up. I didn't think it was that yeah. dramatic. Like, like it, just, it, it was like, it was like saying you're you're making it worse. Just stop. I love you. Like please butt out. Like, I know. That was like I, to me proving how close they are. Actually, I know. People are like, well, why didn't she forget on Rinna? To me, it was like totally different set of circumstances. Like totally. it was literally Dorit for that one tiny interaction that she was bothered by. But I I still stand by the thing of like if I'm her, I look at Rinna and I'm like, it's you. You got to just stop. And I think that would have solved so much. I agree. Doing your hair has the potential to be such a time-consuming process if you're not using products that really work for you and honestly really work with you. And for me, I'd say generally speaking, my hair is pretty easy to manage, but it does get frizzy. I have a lot of split ends, so I'm always looking for things to manage the frizz. And recently I've been into a new product from Way. It's their anti-frizz cream. So it's a really lightweight cream. It provides immediate frizz control that lasts up to 72 hours and also heat protection up to 450 degrees. So you're kind of killing two birds with one stone. And the thing I really like about it is that it helps reduce and repair split ends while quenching dry hair with intense hydration. So you can feel like it just feels good on your hair. For me, I get out of the shower. I always spray in the leave-in conditioner. I've told you guys about that before, but I love it. A little anti-frizz cream and you're good to go. I also, I mean, I love a lot of things from Way, but I like their detox shampoo. I don't use that every week, maybe once a week, maybe once every other week, but I feel like it gives my hair a really, really good clean. Frizz free up your schedule with Way. Go to T H E O U A I dot com and enter promo code CELEBS for 15% off any product. That's T H E O U A I dot com promo code CELEBS. The wait is over. That's right. Season five of the Kardashians is here. Just when you thought life couldn't get any faster, they're punching it into overdrive. Chris, Courtney, Kim, Chloe, Kendall, and Kylie are back and continue to defy expectations in all their endeavors. So get ready to go behind the glitz and glamour of the most iconic family on television. The all-new season of The Kardashians premieres May 23rd, streaming on Hulu. We also have to talk about Erica for a second with the whole Jax conversation and just her drinking. I I just don't know what else there is to say. Like, she just sucks. She just fundamentally sucks. And she does bad things, which, okay, people do bad things, but then she has no remorse for it. And she has such an inability to authentically apologize. And like, I'm just sorry for Garcelle and for her son that this had to take place. And I'm also sorry that it was at the hands of Erica, someone that you'll never actually get the reaction from that you're looking for. Her energy about this is the same as it's been about like the victims the whole time. She can't take responsibility for any of her actions or understand where anyone's coming from when they view them. Because if she didn't specifically go out of her way to mean something, it can't be true. And she can't wrap her head around the like how things come across and how she responds are important. And it's like the empathy chip, like where the fuck is it? No, it's it's totally missing. Also, Dorit is full of shit when she says I had a pit in my stomach. Like I, I thought, Oh I thought, my God, the drama. Oh, no, you didn't. Like you, you didn't because that's just simply not how it went down. And I – Yeah. She was overcompensating a lot saying like when we got in the car, I was mad at her. And I said after it was unacceptable. And I think like she just didn't realize how bad it was in the moment. Like I think she just was like, oh my God, I cannot believe she said that. But it was like, okay, Garcelle gets your point. Like you're not the one who did it. So it's not that bad. But you're also just a bystander then in the situation, which is like not, not good. 
No, it wasn't good. I just wish she would have said, you know what? In the moment, I don't think I realized how bad it was and I reacted really inappropriately. And for that, I'm deeply sorry. Which like Kyle's reaction when she's talking about it with Mauricio before they had actually seen the clip was also terrible. And then when asked about it, I felt like she was like, yeah, that was terrible. Like there's no defending it. There's no, no defending it. And I sometimes feel that Dorit has a hard time. Even we were saying this last week with the Crystal situation. Like just say, I am so sorry. That was- I fucked up. That was yeah. deeply fucked up. And what you had to witness to see that on TV must have been really heart-wrenching. And I am so sorry. Like it, the apology comes, but there's so much defense that I almost think it takes away from it. And she's just lucky that it's Garcelle who gives grace even when grace isn't necessarily deserved. Totally. Because a lot of people wouldn't. Yeah. Oh, my God. Erica versus Kathy for that moment. <gasps> when Kathy's like, I have a lot more credibility than you. It's like, Yeah. yeah. Erica is standing there with a straight face saying, you know, I'm not a liar. I don't lie. And it's like, oh, my God. Like, do you know what's going on? Like, if someone told you or like, even if things aren't true, like you just have so many things. And Kathy's like, well, I have a sterling reputation. And it's like, I that was I was shook. The other thing that was wild is when we found out that Sutton is the one that texted Erica after the win. Yeah, you know what? Fucking respect Sutton. Okay, like that is that is a class act thing to do. Like she is kind of person who will practice what you preach. Yeah, and but also so kind of like under the radar. Like no one knew that that happened. And I'm sure it was no. something that honestly Erica really appreciated. Because if it was like Rinna, she would have posted a screenshot of the text. Yeah, exactly, exactly. I don't know. I don't even know if my feelings will change after recording this. I I have just have to be done. I I have to be done with the season. It was so deeply hard to watch at times, and I think we all need a breather. Apartments.com believes the dishwasher does more than just clean plates. It turns your whole place into a time machine by turning the time you would have spent washing dishes into extra time for you. That could mean more time to read, more time to knit, or more time to contemplate the vastness of time itself. With Apartments.com, finding somewhere to live with an elusive dishwashing slash time-expanding device is easy. And listen, we all have our non-negotiables in terms of what we really want when looking for an apartment. I know for me, natural light has always been really important. I just know myself and I am a happier person when I have that natural light throughout the day. And I also told myself that in my next place, I will definitely have a washer and dryer because... You just can't beat that convenience. And I know it can be hard to find, but when you find it, I think it is so worth it. Apartments.com hosts the most rental listings with over 1 million available units. And with comprehensive search tools and instant alerts, you never have to worry about missing out on the perfect place. To find whatever you're searching for and more, visit apartments.com, the place to find a place. People have so many different reasons for wanting to learn a new language. Maybe you have an upcoming trip or just want to pick up a new hobby or a skill or just connect with a new culture. I know for me, when I was abroad in Barcelona in college, I'm not going to say that I was fluent in Spanish, but I definitely got to the point where I felt really confident conversing. And when I got home, my dad said to me, Emmy, if you don't use it, you're going to lose it. And he was so right. Like I entirely lost it. So Rosetta Stone has been really helpful for me. So if you are in that same boat or you want to learn a new language completely, want to brush up your skills, whatever it is, I want to tell you about Rosetta Stone because they're the most trusted language learning program available on desktop or as an app. And it really kind of immerses you in the language that you want to learn. So first of all, they're the trusted expert for 30 years with millions of users and 25 languages offered. It's fast language acquisition. So they immerse you in many ways. First of all, there's no English translation. So you really learn to speak, listen, and think in that language, which in my experience, I know I'm getting it when I start to think in the language. It's an intuitive process. So you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. And it's designed for long-term retention. Also, in terms of speech recognition, they have a built-in true accent feature that gives you feedback on your pronunciation. And it's convenient. So desktop and app options with audio companion and the ability to download lessons offline. And it's an amazing value. You're getting lifetime access to all 25 language courses Rosetta Stone has to offer for 50% off, which is a steal. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, Comments by Celebs listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com slash comments. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com slash comments today. You know, we talk about fourth wall breaks relatively often just in terms of how much we enjoy it and how much we think it adds to a show. 
but I don't know if we've ever had a person break the fourth wall and then actively comment on breaking the fourth wall while they do it in the way that Candace said, and don't cut out none of my fourth wall, none of it. I want it all in there. To me, that was heaven. Is there a fifth wall? Like I kind of felt like there was a fifth (laughs) wall break there. But to me, this fourth wall break came so out of left field because I think for the past couple of years, especially the producers on all of the city franchises have really milked these for everything they're worth. Like they're in the trailers, they're in the coming soon, they're in everything like we know about it. So this one really came out of left fucking field and it was a good one. Like I can't explain it. It was so different than like Wendy's hot mic moment later on in the episode, let's say. It was a conversation that was so a part of the storyline and it wasn't just like caught on camera and I understand why Candace wanted it to be included and I'm so glad she left it in or requested to leave it in because it felt like we wouldn't have gotten the whole piece of the puzzle if it wasn't there no but also I think that it gives us such a better understanding of the way that they view how the show works Mm -hmm. you know like she's basically saying I see what's going on here and there is no way that this was about to happen and Listen, I I don't know. People, I'm sure, have conflicting opinions on this, and I think that it's definitely territory you have to navigate carefully because in 99% of scenarios, I will always say, if a woman says she feels uncomfortable, you believe her. And it's not to say that I don't believe Giselle felt uncomfortable, but when she explains it, she explicitly says, Chris did nothing to make me feel uncomfortable. He didn't touch me. He didn't say anything. It was the general idea of being in a room with Chris or any other married man with the door closed that she didn't like the optics of. And I think that that's a very, very important clarification. It's not him necessarily. It was the situation. Right. And also because Ashley opened this door about feeling uncomfortable by Chris, Giselle sees that opportunity to say, yeah, well, he's also made me feel uncomfortable. You know, I think Giselle is always thinking about stirring the pot, starting a plot line. And this was like the perfect opportunity. And I think that's how Robin was feeling as well. And it was, it was such a hard thing for me to digest because I had not seen this coming at all. We usually are so kind of opposite of whatever Candace is feeling. Like I usually am not aligned with her gut reactions to things. And Giselle and Robin not being on the same page and that our usual first instinct is always like believe women whatever she says is 100% the truth and valid and whatever so all of those things combine really threw me for a fucking loop this week. Right. And that's kind of exactly how I feel in that you can totally believe that her description of uncomfortability and feelings of uncomfortability is totally valid. And then at the same time, believe it was kind of a large mischaracterization of what happened. Because once Karen starts pressing her and says, did he touch you? Did he say anything to make you feel uncomfortable? Did he do anything to make you feel uncomfortable? Her answer is overwhelmingly no. It's about the specific circumstance. So it really wasn't about Chris. It was you take the place of any married man in Chris's position and Giselle would have felt uncomfortable by the optics, which as a woman who has been cheated on, I can understand how she got there. I think there was a way to describe that without, you know, initially making Chris look so bad for something that once she explained it, he didn't even do. Yeah. I think in the beginning, she was definitely intimating it that there was more and that it was just like, such a wrong thing for him to do. But to me, what speaks the most volumes about the entire situation is like she waited months between when this happened. They keep saying when we were in New Jersey, obviously it's when they were filming the reunion from last season. She waited all these months. And then what, the first week that they're filming, she decides to have this sit down with Candace and bring it up. Again, I think the catalyst was 100% Ashley in the DMs, which we can also discuss a little bit. But it just felt like that is so performative. Like you can, we can see right through that. I actually do want to talk about the Ashley DM situation for a second here because tell me what you think. To me, I felt in her initial recounting of it before she knew the context with him being the manager of the W, I think that she did find it a little bit strange and was kind of doing what she believed to be the girl's girl thing of telling Candace. Because I think once it was explained to her, she kind of got it. Like, I genuinely believe she didn't understand that context. How did you feel? I think Candace was, like, a little bit wary because of how their relationship has been so far. So when Ashley came to her and said that, she was like, "Ugh, are you trying to do basically what Giselle ends up doing is, like, make my husband look bad and make a mountain out of a molehill? 
I think Ashley genuinely was coming from a place of like, I want my relationship with Candace to work. I don't want to have some weird secret and I want this to all be out on the table. I don't think she necessarily took it in such a like flirty, weird way, but it could have been perceived that way. And I think she just wanted to sort of keep a clean slate. And I think after both of them heard each other's side and understood the situation, they got it. Like they were seeing eye to eye on this. It was actually a good thing for the relationship. And I also think on top of it, this Giselle situation is going to make Candace appreciate Ashley more and Ashley like look better in a way, you know, like that she just came to her. They talked it out. She said, oh, he's the manager there. He was just replying to my story. He didn't just DM me, like slide in the DMs. He replied to my story after we were at a party together saying, oh, you should have come by the W, aka the bar that he's managing with her friend or with whatever castmate she was with. And that was it. There was nothing more to it. I also think something to really consider in this is that Ashley, to a certain extent, her experiences are through the lens of someone who was married or I guess currently is married to a very shady guy who has factually cheated on her and engaged in some really mischievous activity with other women. So naturally, I think that she is (laughs) – So so I think naturally she is going to have – a little bit of a different time receiving that than someone who maybe isn't even thinking in that way. But, you know, she was married to Michael Darby for a lot of years. So I guess she's conditioned in some way to think that way. I don't know. It could be a yeah. very naive understanding of the entire thing. I, I truly don't believe in my gut that she had bad intentions when she said that to Candace. And I would be lying to you if I said that I felt Giselle's intentions were as pure for multiple things that you mentioned. The time frame of waiting until they were first on camera. And then also for how honest she was in the recounting of it, that he did not do anything factually. Right. I mean, I I do get on the flip side, like her wanting to get it off her chest that that was a feeling she had a couple of months ago. It just didn't need to be this whole dramatic sit down and to kind of loop it in and pile on on top of what went on with Ashley. It just felt like she was really cashing in on that situation. And I think Candace, looking at all of this, which is what I personally felt as a viewer and I think Robin really felt, was like Chris to her is this really trustworthy guy. She has nothing to worry about. She doesn't ever feel like he's you know, going out, stepping out on her and nothing weird. And that he genuinely views all these women as like his friends too. And they have this all connection because they film together. They go through all this crazy shit together. And he feels like he has a nice relationship with them. You know, like it's the way I feel about some of my friends, boyfriends and fiancés. Like I have such a nice close relationship to them one-on-one. And I think it's almost like sad for Chris that he was like, wait, I thought Giselle and I like had a nice friendship. You know, it, it should almost be that they're allowed just because they're a man and a woman. Why can't they have a conversation or why can't they, you know, say, hey, you should have come to my bar. Like it it, it sets this wall up that I, he was not aware was there. Right. I think that's a fair point. And I do think that there's something to be said in terms of people receiving it based on their own experiences. Of course, you know, it's hard to draw comparisons, but like, I feel like you and I talk about this a lot with our parents that our parents are so close with their other, you know, couple friends, both the men and the women, that it wouldn't even occur to me in my mind <laughs> that anything yeah. would even potentially be going on. So I don't view this in my mind when someone just explained it to me before Giselle describes being uncomfortable. If I were to just hear that they were having a conversation in a closed hotel room, my mind wouldn't go there because I feel that I've seen a lot of situations that maybe if you have that lens, you could view it that way, but I just don't. But Giselle is coming from the place of, having been with a man that was cheating on her and was very untrustworthy and she has her guard up in that way. So it's not wrong that she felt that way. It's more so the way that she described it was maybe a little bit careless in terms of if you're really his friend or Candace's friend, you want to be able to protect their character while still voicing your feelings. Right. Totally. It's a really like complicated situation and I know for sure it's not going to die down and Candace is not backing down on this because I think she feels really personally hurt and kind of attacked that this all went down this way and really started off the season with a bang and completely unexpected on her and Chris's end. So I don't know. I'm curious to see. But can I pivot for one second? Because Mm. I am loving where Karen Huger is sitting this season so far. I know we're only a couple episodes in, but like 
She's not involved in any of the drama. She's just being funny and having fucking Giselle Bryant over solo at her house to like be funny and let her show her the dance moves they learned at the TikTok class. And just like, she's being so grand dumb. I can't explain it, but she's sort of like just there overseeing and leaning in. No, I I very much agree. It feels very fitting for the way that she has always described herself and I think viewed herself and the way that I have viewed her. It almost makes more sense for her to be above it all. And that's the way so far that she is. Of course, that'll change. Of course, she'll get in some stuff, but it does almost feel like she's in a league of her own. I mean, I think with Charisse, the waters will get muddied because she really doesn't like her and that stirs up some old shit. But I don't know. Overall, I feel like she's not in the center of any drama. And I think she's on good terms with basically everyone. And I'm having so much fun anytime she pops on my screen. And her and Giselle together, forget whatever Giselle was saying. And I think Karen kind of was giving her almost motherly advice in a way and was seeing things from an outsider perspective. But just seeing the two of them together getting along and laughing and their explanations of each other of like, Karen loves me was making me just the happiest person. That confessional was actually really important because if you take all the bullshit aside, that's what we've always said, that deep down they do love each other. And for Giselle to say, Karen loves me and I love how she loves me. Yeah. <laughs> like, call me crazy. That was kind of special. No, it was it was very special. I think they just respect each other. Like they respect the game. They respect their characters. They respect the hustle. And that's very important. And I think that will never go away unless something terrible happened. You know, like their fights have always been so perfectly surface level. The other thing we have to talk about is Robin and Juan with this prenup conversation because oh my it, God. it's so frustrating, I think, if I'm Robin to explain something and be met with such confusion and such an overreaction to then have it explained back to me in his terms exactly what I said. It's like, (laughs) I really like Juan genuinely, but I find that he is slightly dismissive in moments of conflict. And maybe that's just because there's a film crew around, but it's something that I guess I respond to like personally, because that's something that I don't do well with in my own like romantic relationships. So I think I feel for Robin, although it seems to just kind of be their communication style. What do you think? I don't know. I I never know what to make of them. I think that they're such best friends. I think they've known each other since they were so young and they grew up and have been through so much together that aside from their romantic relationship, they really are like friends that bicker and talk in a certain way. And like they have this understanding of each other and this comfortability that is really rare. And I think sometimes it's like so special and incredible and sparkly and amazing. And sometimes it's like very mundane and it comes down to shit like this and you really feel it. Like it's funny because Robin, I think really came to play this episode, the last couple episodes, like she fucking showed up for work. She was voicing her opinions. She was going against Giselle. Like I felt like I almost was seeing a side of Robin that I hadn't seen before. And I think that kind of carried over in this conversation with Juan. Okay, I very much feel that way also. And I wonder if that's because with the Chris Bassett thing, this is really how she feels, which I think it is, of course, and saying she would have done that anyway. But also, I do wonder if being kind of conscious of not being considered like Giselle's sidekick is something that's now in her mind because I felt that was very hyper present last season. Yeah, but I don't think she would like purposely take a different side just to be like, oh, this is my opportunity to show I'm not Giselle's minion. I think she genuinely felt the way that like she felt and that we felt and what she was saying was completely true. And I think it's easier because she feels comfortable saying it to Giselle's face. She's not scared of Giselle in that way. You know, like I think we sometimes think that the power dynamic is very like Giselle has the upper hand, but it's very much an equal friendship. Oh, totally. And with the Cress Bassett thing, that's what I'm saying. I think that this is exactly how she feels and she would have said it regardless. I'm saying I just happen to wonder as the show continues to film if she has that in her mind because that was something – I mean, it's been said forever, but I think specifically last season that was really voiced. And, you know, yeah, they're real friends in real life, but they're also conscious of being on a show and they're conscious of the feedback and what the fans are saying. So I just wonder if that exists anywhere in her mind and we'll see that come to play a little bit more Yeah. Well, Karen made – what was – who asked her about like, oh, you think the Green-Eyed Bandits 
the producer, the producer, when she was like, do you think that there's cracks in the foundation of the Green Eyed Bandits or something like that? And she was like, I absolutely do. Yeah. And like, I feel genuinely Karen has nothing to gain or lose from them being friends or not. Like, I don't think she's like dying for Giselle's friendship enough that it would be beneficial for Robin and Giselle to crack and break off. Like, maybe they're clicky, but that's just like that's just the name of the game so I think that's a true read from Karen like I think she really is seeing what's going on here but it's like to me them disagreeing on this doesn't need to be a crack in the foundation I think it's just like the acknowledgement of like hey we're allowed to have different opinions we can still be best friends we can still do things with other people be friends with people that the other one doesn't like and that's maybe where the crack will come is like approaching those conversations Yeah, I think so too. And also if we look at, you know, the best friendships across all franchises, I would always put Robin and Giselle in the category of the authentic ones. So I believe if they do end up having issues, it will be authentic issues and not ones for the show. You know, like these are not the two people that are going to fight for a storyline. That's just, that's not going to happen. They also, by the way, let's not forget, have a podcast together. That's a huge source of their business. Right. I know that's what makes me so nervous is when they like actually go into businesses together it's like, now what? You know? Yeah. But it's that's what I'm saying. It's I would be floored if anything substantial actually lasted. Yeah, me too. <laughs> we gotta talk about Wendy's hot mic moment for a second. Okay. What do you think? I think in that conversation at the dance class between Robin and Wendy, Robin did come at her kind of hot. And I honestly think it just comes from the fact that she doesn't really like Wendy. She's not a huge fan of her, and you see it come out in that way. And so if in terms of the actual conversation, if I'm Wendy, I agree that the way Robin presented the information to Mia was factually wrong and Wendy was kind of defending that. If I'm Robin and I'm watching that go down, I feel so deeply vindicated because the exact thing that you're accusing me of is the exact same thing that you did. The only difference is that Wendy didn't say it to Mia's face. Which Which is worse. Right. Like it depends how you look at it, because I think Wendy would make the argument of, yeah, but my delivery towards her was more gentle, whereas Robin's like, yeah, but I'm just more real. Right. I know. It was like such a good hot mic moment because it was such a contrast between what Wendy literally just said like 30 seconds before. You know, it wasn't like days or weeks or months. It was like she said all she needed to say, walked out the door and then said the opposite to the producer and was like, oh, yeah, we all know she's lying. So it's like, well, that just makes you look like you have a character going on in the show and that you're very cautious of like what you're saying on camera versus off and not expressing actually how you feel. Now, like what you're saying is it's a sensitive topic and I think she wanted to be, you know, careful about Mia's emotions and sort of approach it softly. And that is totally fair. But like she was going so hard at Robin for even insinuating that Mia would lie about something like this and then turns around and is like, yeah, it's actually how I feel too. <laughs> right. That's what I'm saying. Like, I actually don't think she's wrong for not saying it to Mia's face because I do agree. You just don't really say that. I think she's wrong for going so hard about Robin if that's how she actually felt also. It's like there's yeah. a million other battles you can fight. Why's Why's it got to be one that you actually agree with secretly? I think Wendy felt she was better because she came from like a loving place and didn't hurt Mia's feelings. And I think Robin thought she was better because she wants to catch Wendy in a lie. Like she doesn't like Wendy. And I think she feels that Wendy has a phony side to her. So she was like excited to call her out about that. And I don't know. I I think she's like, if I'm Robin, I'm watching this like screener the day or two before. And I'm like, let's fucking film the reunion tomorrow. Like she's, it sucks because she has a couple months before they get to sit down, but God, she's probably like vindicated as hell. (laughs) That's what I'm saying. Like that is best case scenario if you're Robin, which can I be honest with you? I am shocked that more hot mic moments don't happen. I know. I mean, maybe they're just not things that are interesting enough or they don't want the whole show to become about like what we caught them saying off air because the whole point is like on air quote or off air quote should be the same, which is obviously not the case, but it should be. And that's like kind of the, you know, smoke and mirrors we're supposed to believe. But also I think people are very, very cautiously aware that they're mic'd when they're mic'd. And that was like a moment that Wendy had where she was like, oh shit. May I bring you back to one of the most famous hot mic moments in all of Housewives history? Do you want to take a guess? You know what I'm thinking? Elisa Barlow? No. Think way back. Leanne Locken? No. They're just hands? 
Joe fucking Judice in Italy oh, on the phone saying, Oh, my bitch wife. Here comes my bitch wife. Yep. <gasps> that is one of the most famous ones. Yeah. And I felt me. so bad because she had to answer for it a million times. Like, I'm pretty sure even in their interview after they both got out of jail, Andy was asking about that. Yeah. Well, because it was so unbelievable that Teresa heard that. Yeah. The way that we all did. And there was really no denying what was going on. But she was, for a period of time there, she was so committed to just sticking by his side. And mm. I don't love Louie, but he's better than Joe Judice. Yeah, you're so right. There's been a lot of good hot mic moments. I'm going to I'm gonna make a list of the best hot mic moments, actually. I was going to say, can we do that on a story? I feel like that would be yeah. a fun activity. Yes. <laughs> I got to tell you, I have nothing to say about Salt Lake City this week. I feel so relieved that you just said that. I was like genuinely <laughs> – going to come with like a full prep thing because when I saw the outline, I saw that there were no's. I I have nothing to contribute to this. Like to me, this moved the plot along 0%. I, <laughs> Angie is a stranger to me. Like you're just not going to get me to be super invested with this story about the potential courtside conversation that took place. Like I just, I believe Heather and that's all there is. <laughs> I know. That's really, that's pretty much it. And it's also just so wild of an experience to watch Jen Shaw like doing her mock trial and just consistently talking and everything about her innocence, like with the knowledge we know now, like it's not something I think I could ever get used to. No, I know the whole thing is very surreal to witness. I Listen, <laughs> you know how I feel about Salt Lake City. I love it. I just thought this was like an episode that pretty much could have not existed. Yeah, it was a filler and it got us from point A to point B. Hopefully next week will be more interesting. Yeah, totally. Anything else you would like to add? I think that's it. Okay, I think that's it as well. We'll see you guys next week. Thank you for listening and letting us do this. Bye.